LBH, let's be honest. And this week's pod is a very exciting one. I have a very good friend and coach, Jazz Broughton, on with me. Jazz Broughton, founder of Just Jazz. She's a customer success manager and career success coach. Now, Jazz is an all-round inspiration, empowering and enabling women to reach their full potential, running an empire whilst excelling in her day job as a success manager at Mixpanel. Jazz has such an incredible experience and knowledge, whether it be her Just Jazz empire, her day job in digital, her drive to work with others and empower women, and her entrepreneurial spirit and can-do attitude. So I'm going to give you the stage, Jazz, to introduce yourself, if you can beat that, and let us know what you do <laughs> and your approach for your everyday brand. <laughs> oh my goodness, beat that? What? I feel like you summed it all up. That That's literally life for me. It's a, it's a lot of helping people achieve success um in the day job uh, as a woman in tech a black woman in tech as a customer success manager um and then also as a career success coach and that comes in many shapes and forms i work with people one-to-one -one. i deliver workshops and training programs and group programs as well just just creating environments and experiences for people to grow and create careers that grow too because I, I think for a long time we yeah. doubted that that was possible and that was a thing and that yeah. it wasn't like reserved for other people and not for everyone right so this is a section of my pod that I like to do so that our listeners can find out a little bit more about you jazz so it's five fast facts so right let's start what is your coffee order oh if it's starbucks it's caramel macchiato if it's, not, it's Starbucks, not Starbucks, it's probably a double, <laughs> it's a double express everywhere else. I'm one of those people who discovered coffee late in life. I'm a tea person by default. Yes, love but it. if I drink it, it's because I need it or because it's sweet. Yes. So caramel mac or a frappuccino. Um, during lockdown, my parents got me an espresso machine, Excellent. so I've I've been living la vida pod. Um, yes. which again is just it's just black. <laughs> like I'm not doing the froth and stuff it's like no I need the, the caffeine here I bet you organize your pod by color right are you like me I considered that <laughs> when, we have so many gadgets on the counter and it was either the wine rack moves and I create a display oh. for the pods or the wine slash gin slash all my other tipples rack kind of one oh, out so I do have a bit of a, a clear glass yeah. bowl where they live in all the like it no I like that because with all the colours mixed, it looks really cool. I remember getting mm. a presentation box with mine, like when I was talking about 12 years ago or something silly like that. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. They but... sent me that and they're all yeah. upside down. You see the colours, yeah. these little bubbles. And then I put them all in order. Like, even like if I'm chocolate. not putting them in the right place, they're all ordered. It's like my little kind of like secret, secret guilty pleasure. <laughs> not secret <laughs> anymore. fast, are they? Because <laughs> I'm like asking so many questions around coffee because that is one of my favourite subjects. But I, as soon as you said double espresso, I was like, hell yeah. This is why we're talking, because I'm all about, if I need coffee, I just go hard on the, on the dark stuff. Yeah, just give me the real stuff, get straight to the point. <laughs> exactly. Right, so one thing you and I have in common. South London. Yes, South London girls. That Love feels abstract, that's South. Female. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, just... <laughs> that's what my yeah. husband said to me when I was testing it out on him. He was like, apart from you being female, I was like, yeah, that's a good point. I should say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, South London links, definitely. Right, your favourite app. Oh, jeez! This one, I. You know what? I'm, oh, okay. Because if you if you didn't say productivity, I would say Spotify, because yeah. I love music and I also inhale podcasts. Yeah. Like every day that gets opened without fail. 
And then a productivity app then? It's like an extra question I'm sneaking in now. Dun, dun, dun. Productivity app, it's not really a product. Well, it kind of is, it frees up my time. Um, I use a social media tool called Sked Social. Um, oh, yes. And they've got an app with that as well. Boris or Trump? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah it's like yeah. boris is an un he's he's an unserious character right yeah trump yeah like trump's trump is dangerous there's a difference between unserious and dangerous definitely yeah no i would agree yeah but yeah i think you know boris has got a tough job i think you know we go back to the time when we have Theresa may i often wonder where she is she's a bonded like an Greek island and she's just living like I know, I'm I kind of, you. <laughs> yeah I'm kind of like not all the way mad at it because again it's a very tough job and I think yeah. it speaks volumes for women being in leadership and not Definitely. not just cracking on for the sake of all of the the reasons that are nothing to do with you and making the best Absolutely. decisions for you because we almost have these figureheads um and then it just creates it just creates such a toxicity around yes being a woman in leadership yeah because then you feel like you're doing it for everyone and you're representing everyone but you know you're there and you're a beacon of whatever but it's just like that's everything that everyone else wants you to be when it must have been such a sobering moment for her to sit down and whether it's with her hubby or therapist yeah to realize I don't want this anymore I don't want and you know the thing and the, the point you make there is so key about the toxicity and Theresa May had a really tough job and towards the end, she had a lot of bad press. She had loads of male colleagues saying they could do better, saying how badly she'd done. And you had a lot of that in the press. And I know that the press can mm. do a lot of that. There's a lot of negativity. And I think now you've got Boris in the situation where he's taken over thinking, yeah, I can do Brexit. I can do better than May. But actually, no one, no one could have prepared him for what we've had to go through with COVID. So I do feel oh, yeah. for him in that way. But, yeah. know, a lot do you, do you remember Brexit? Literally. Do you remember that thing? Yeah, that do, you know, do you remember that, guys? Like, that's do you know what I mean? Do, do, yeah. you remember, do you remember yeah. we left the EU somewhere in and amongst this pandemic? No. <laughs> I swear it's, it's like not. just a publicity stunt to like take the um, <laughs> take the noise off of Brexit. <laughs> Give us a bit of breathing space. Literally. I'm joking. No, I'm kidding. If only it was, you know, if only it wasn't so serious. But yes, political one, thank you for answering. I think you've answered more than any of my guests. So the laugh is normally there. Do I have to answer that? So I really appreciate that, Jazz. It's really good to talk about these things. Um, and it's nice to talk about Teresa again, I think. I hate to sound such a girly girl, but I love that she did her job. She did it well, and she wore leopard print shoes while she did it. And she joked <laughs> about that as well. You got to see a bit love of her, it. like, a her side. Shoe. Yeah, she, you know, we've got, we've got some footage of her dancing. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, don't take yourself too seriously. Yes, I'm in the pantsuit, but with yeah. a twist in my own way. With a twist, yeah. <laughs> And she didn't conform. That's what I like. She didn't wear plain black shoes because she didn't want to be noticed. They probably gave her joy when she looked down at them when she had a tough day. They probably gave her that yeah. bit of boost to go, you know what, I've got this. This is me. I've got this. <laughs> yeah, this is me, absolutely. Then the final question, on a Zoom call, PJs or full suit? <laughs> it's a bit extreme, but you know. Yeah, it's a... It's very different for me, okay, because I work in tech, and tech means anything goes. I have a very fond memory of having a onesie day at a tech company that I worked for, and I proudly wore that the entire journey from my front door. So for (laughs) me, what happens is it's usually a t-shirt up top, 
or a jumper. Yeah. I'm doing a jumper today. Um, and pajama bottoms. Yes. Why not? And I invested in some good M&S gym jams as well. Yes. So I did that. Because I do, I do like dressing up for work. So it's just like, what's yeah. the remote work equivalent? Okay, get some really good 100% cotton. Definitely feel comfortable, yeah. but look good. Here's the thing. <laughs> I, and I wondered your opinion on this, actually, because I've always felt, and I still do to this day, working from home the last couple of years, even leading up to COVID, I've always dressed for the position I was in or wanted to be in. So I'll always make an effort. It doesn't have to be full on makeup, but I'll, I'll dress to build my confidence and put on that kind of like, not put on that suit because it's real, but there's realness behind that. But I just put on the brand almost. And then I you know, log into my laptop or I log onto Zoom and I'm there. That's me. Whereas people yeah. are like, oh, did you still do that? I'm like, well, I don't even think about it. It's not an effort for me. It's just pick mm. it out the night before. That's what I'm wearing. It makes me feel a certain way, bam. Um, and I think that's what it is it's the feeling so for me and it's so funny it's a running joke with my colleagues I do alternating <laughs> days so there's some days where it's pajamas and it's the yeah. nice pajama set so it's still very appropriate very covered up etc um yeah. and if I've got internal meetings I I well my close team they will have experienced me in my dressing gown or in my pjs because it's just an internal meeting if i'm doing anything for just jazz i'm delivering workshops i've got a client training you know then i I will get dressed up occasionally i'll pull out the red lippy put on a bit of mascara because again it's it's the feeling it's your my dad calls it your war paint but it literally is that it's like i am stepping into this version of myself it's not really an alter ego it's just a version of myself and especially because my day job quite similar to yours you know they're customer facing roles we have to get people excited about a particular product or a particular service and to do that I have to feel good like my energy needs to be on 10 and my confidence needs to be on 10 for that so it's not like pajama jazz is more relaxed pajama jazz gets admin done but red lippy jazz is getting people excited and passionate and enthusiastic. So forced to be reckoned with, red lippy yeah. jazz. <laughs> Stuff is getting done and people are recognising <laughs> your brand. No, I like that. I think you're right. I think as an interior designer, if I turned up in joggers and like a, a t-shirt with slops down it, I don't think they'd believe that I'd have <laughs> it in me to like turn their house into something magnificent. Yeah, it's like there's <laughs> some energy to the it, there's a brand. <laughs> yeah. It's a 100% that and it's just, you know... there's there's casual comfort and that's you know that's what I feel I achieve with uh you know my tops my slogan tees and then the pajama bottoms I'm gonna be comfortable because I'm at home but I'm gonna let you know that I made an effort for you today yeah (laughs) and there is a bit of that isn't there because I was wondering you know is power dressing dead you know was that like the 1890s is it you know is it I don't think it's dead. I'm still buying clothes. Like I legit in the, especially the peak of the summer, I, you know, I had a big birthday. I did a big order of clothes, lots of wonderful dresses. And my boyfriend was just like, what, why, what? Where are you going? (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I want to feel pretty. And it might just be my housemates and my garden and the occasional food shop that gets to see these outfits. But, like, I am so ready for once I feel comfortable to, 
I, I yeah. will be in, in my power dressing. I will wear yeah. my fashion. Because I, I enjoy fashion. I enjoy dressing up. Yeah. I enjoy looking nice and feeling good. So totally. I don't think it's dead. I think, if anything, there's probably going to be a new wave of it once we're all kind of released from our homes. Yeah, I hope so. We would have spent ages being like, I, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like all of us, especially as women, men probably feel this way as well, we remember the moment within the pandemic where we put on jeans for the first time after however many weeks yes. or months. And it's not to say we were at home as these sort of slobbish gym wear peeps, but it was literally, okay, we're going to be in this for a couple of weeks. Pair of leggings, bit of some joggers. Yes. The summer hit and it was just a pair of shorts. So when you put on some of the instruction, it's just like, oh, I remember what these feel like. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, all wear them out. So weird. I, had, I remember having a nice top on that was, you know, corporate appropriate, and then like my denim cut off j- shorts, but no one saw those. But I was like, oh, I love it, I yeah, because it's thirty one degrees and I'm in my non air conditioned house. <laughs> yeah. I am most definitely so going to be doing a happy museum. <laughs> but I didn't want to get up because I think I had to get up for something. I was like, oh no, if I get up, they're going to see my legs. Like, no one see my legs at work. I know, I no, stop the, the video. Because I don't want my work colleagues to see my legs. <laughs> <laughs> I should have. I just got up to close the door and I was like, damn, they've seen my legs, they've seen my shorts. I have to now tell my boss I'm in my shorts. She didn't care <laughs> at all, but you know, it's so yeah. funny. You're right. I think when we're let out, I think we've had a lot more time to think about the outfits. We know which ones we want to put together. So, you know, you wait. It's going to be like a catwalk out there. Catwalk of colour, I hope. Hope people yes. have that positivity. Oh, oh, I love that. I love the five five longer than fast facts, but you know, that's just me. <laughs> so I'd like you to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, why you started Just Jazz and, and what you do. So how it began. I know you talk a bit about burnout um, and your kind of experience with redundancy. I think that would be really, really kind of key for listeners to understand how you navigated that. Yeah, the magical burnout of Olgate East Tube Station. I'd probably say I've been burnt out maybe three times in life. The first time was definitely during uni, struggling a lot financially, working three jobs, keeping up with the career. And to be fair, in that moment, I think that was the first breaking point, but also the point where I begin to understand anxiety. And what I now know was also depression. Yeah. But I, I had an acute awareness. The panic attack sort of begun then um, during uni. And then I kind of travelled through careers. So I graduated in hospitality, went into a, a scheme. So I was very lucky um, to have secured a graduate role before I finished because I know that not everybody does. Yeah. Went into it a couple of months in and I was just like, this is ridiculous. It was a hotel. I was I was practically living at the hotel at this wow. point doing a wedding then getting up to run breakfast the next morning then you know all of this stuff and I and um my breaking point there was having a panic attack so going down to go toilet in the basement um for anybody who doesn't who's never worked in a hotel all of the gorgeousness that you see above ground below is is where the staff room is there's there's a dungeon that's that's where that's where your event manager is peeps that is where your ceo is that's what is there for the staff whereas the guests precisely it's very much downton abbey quarters underneath there so i was down there and had a panic attack and i was just like i've been at work since six o'clock this morning it's now i think it was about 8 30 at night went up to my manager 
and I was just like, I've just had a panic attack downstairs. Can I go home? Please, I, I just need to, I just need to go home. Home, like, as in not staying over at the hotel, home. And he was just like, no. And I was just, you know, when you have to just yeah. compose yourself, because by the time that's happened, yeah. I've already cried. Yeah. Got got my marbles together enough to actually go up into the service floor, because I think there was an event going on. And I think that was what it was. The event was still going on. Yeah. And then we needed to clear down, turn it around for those, yeah. whatever needed doing. But for yeah. me in that moment, I was just like, forget this. It's not worth it. It's not worth so it. So that was like, did you know it was? Oh yeah, yeah. I knew it was that. Before? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I'd had them before during uni when the stress levels yeah. were high, and more than anything, I was unhappy. It sounds very yeah. frivolous to say it, but if I'm consistently unhappy for a long period of time, that will invite so much anxiety into my life. Yeah um and so I had that and then that began my my squiggly career because I was just like forget it came yeah, home dad was just like Sodom screw him you live under my roof you'll be all right you have there. yeah literally very much that um and my dad's an entrepreneur so he's always I've grown up with him I think even down to the age of 10 or 11 with him being like I don't know why you guys want to work for somebody else set up your own That's thing amazing. blah blah like that's yeah. the household that I sort of grew yeah. up in. So even for him, it's just like oh, all of this, all of this nonsense. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, what are you doing this? You go after your own thing, like go for it. Um, and so yeah, so quick hopped on job seekers, which for anybody who's listening and is nervous about it or is feeling some variety of shame or whatever the hell it is, they literally give you back your tax. It takes a little while before you hit the uh, the government's pocket, should we say. And especially if you're anything like me and you've been working since you could work, yeah. you, you paid a lot of tax there. So yeah, <laughs> do not feel any shame in marching into that job centre. Or, OK, I guess not. Much. Some of them are open, actually. Um, yeah. But, you know, for those of you going through maybe redundancy or maybe heading some, some periods of career uncertainty you are literally just getting back the money that you've paid into the government so don't yeah, feel away go and get can. what you deserve and what you're entitled to yeah, um because it does take the pressure off because you then start applying for roles and I did that and I was just like what do I love customers what am I interested in found myself working for an estate agent in Clapham Common cool. very cool very hipster very scrappy small business Great loved it loved it loved it <laughs> um and it was good like it was really good again so going back to my dad his business is as a, a carpenter everybody I know I don't know anybody like in my family who have bought, bought who's bought a house and left it as is even yeah. the our family home I think they completed yeah. the sale got the keys 10 o'clock in the morning by the time I'd finished school they'd licked out three walls wow yeah I love that. so it That's looked crazy. it didn't look anything like the pictures on Zoopla <laughs> or whatever do you know what no, I mean I and that. we sat there in the middle of that living room you know with the wallpaper being semi-steamed off eating KFC yes. around like a metal table yeah like that That's is so what mean, my family <laughs> does because all of them work in trades it's yeah. literally that they all work in trades or if we go down to the second second generation so my generation you know, I've got a cousin who's a surveyor. I've got a cousin who basically, or cousins who grew up going to work with my dad in carpentry. So they know how to put things together and DIY, like DIYs and art form. 
Yeah, it's hundred percent that. Just being dubby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People don't they don't. They don't. And it's and I think I took that as such a treasure, and it gives you a new perspective on what a home should look like. So when yeah. I was working with people, I, I started off as an administrator, then became property manager, and just really built really great relationship with landlords. You know, some of the landlords yeah. who own oh my gosh when I tell you somebody owns half of Clapham they own half of Clapham and just watching them come in and go I just got keys for a fixer-upper do you want to come and see it before we do the works then you go in a couple of months later and it's like oh my goodness this is gorgeous um so doing all of that so long story short went through property found my way to being a surveyor so trainee surveyor halfway through did that whole moment again where it's the same thing that happened to me in hospitality to be fair I looked up the uh, proverbial food chain and I was just like is this what I want is this worth it and I was just like "Hmm, not really they don't earn that much more than me and they're doing the exact same things that I'm doing the only difference is they've got the letters behind their name so I was just like study yeah totally precisely I was self-funding a degree because I I was experienced so I was just always the odd one out where I was on the graduate scheme, but not because I had work experience, which meant that I was doing a lot of the senior surveyor tasks because they knew I could do it. And I had that experience in property. I didn't just graduate and go straight into it. But then the catch 22 was that I had to do, I had to do a degree to then be let into RICS. So it was like, I then ended up shelling out a couple grand on that. So I do have, I say I've got one and a half degrees. So it was meant to be a master's, but I stopped it because I was just like, there's, there's literally no point in me. Like I'm not going to use it Um, because I left, said to my mom, I said, I'm looking for something that is around my personality. Corporate didn't work for me. And it was so, it was such a game changing moment because I'd always envisioned myself dressing smartly, going into the city for work. Yeah. Um, and when I got there, I was just like, this is not for me. I'm sick and tired yeah. of coming up with ways of doing things cheaper, faster, better, and somebody going, oh, that's someone nice, else. But this yeah. is how we've done it. <laughs> yeah. This is how we've yeah. done it for years. So we'll leave it this way. Yeah. Get back, you know, get back in your box. Yeah. That that's was just, it was so maddening for me. I loved what I did. Yeah. I loved who I did it with, but I knew I couldn't grow here. I remember yeah. delivering a presentation to my boss's boss on like a new way of doing things. I created a new CRM system basically. Um, yeah. Because the way we were managing work was just ridiculous and the system wasn't fit for purpose, etc. Did all of that, presented it. He then turned to my boss and said, where did you come up with this idea? <gasps> and thankfully m- my boss, both white males of a certain age, yeah. he turned to him and goes, I didn't, it was all her. Wow. And, you know, at this point I'm residential administrate I'm you know commercial administrator or whatever the title is I'm not even graduate surveyor do you know I mean I'm not even assistant surveyor in this role they put me as an administrator so I'm for all intents and purposes meant to be the dog's body and again this is why I take my hat off to my colleagues because they knew I was capable so they were just like I don't see you as an administrator like when you yeah. assist me on my projects and we go on site visits, I am treating you you're like on, an assistant surveyor because that is what we're doing. A hundred percent. But yeah, it was just yeah. one of those moments. Yeah. And you know, when I look back on it now, I'm fairly confident. So even if my manager didn't say it, I would have said it. And everybody else in the room was like, um, yeah. like what's yeah. going on? But you know, it's moments like that that start yeah. to they yeah. don't say it. And I just thought there's another yeah. black girl in a firm somewhere not being confident or feeling safe enough to speak out and not being championed in this way. Yeah. Um, and lets her boss you know, take credit for that work. Yeah. Precisely. I've because she thinks that that's myself. the way to get along. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, no. Yeah, then, but then that's where I found myself in tech. Yeah. Amazing. Mm. Okay, cool. And then from tech to doing your own side hustle, how did that then? Yeah. Like? So I always knew I wanted to do my own thing. I literally yeah. sent my first invoice at age 14 for DJing for the mayor of Wandsworth. So you, you kind of, that. it's inescapable. And again, when I look back, each of my siblings, we all have our own side hustle or have yeah. had our own side hustle in some way, shape yeah. or form. When you grow up in a house where that's the norm, the normal yeah. fears that people have, we don't necessarily have because we've seen it work. Yeah. Like totally. we have seen that through dad working for himself. That's what put the yeah. roof over our heads. That's what paid the bills. That's what bought the Christmas presents. Um, yeah. So we know that it can work. So did so started my job in tech. The role that I was in, they had unlimited annual leave, flexible working. It was creative. It was nice. innovative. The CEOs, <laughs> like the co-founders were very much like, you know, we want to inspire you if you have entrepreneurial dreams. Like, we'll show you how we pitch for funding. And, you know, yeah. tr- tech is more transparent. You know yeah. how much money your company's made each week. You know how many customers they have. They share, you know, there's, you're not in yeah. every single meeting, but no. they, they make sure that you're on the pulse of what, what is happening on a bigger scale. So you know how what you're doing contributes to it. Um, and I did that and I loved it. I threw myself into it. And I loved the innovation. I loved the coaching style, the management style, leadership, all of that stuff. But I threw myself in it without the guardrails. Like yeah. Nobody tells you how oh. to set your work pattern <laughs> if yeah. you can set your own work pattern. So if somebody gives you a laptop, here you go. And it's a laptop, yeah. so you can take it home and do work. Yeah, that's work not, all the hours. You know, that's not the norm for a lot of people. No, precisely no. and so then I did I started burning the candle at both ends because I loved what I did yeah loved who I did it with and I was driven I've always been driven I've always been very ambitious so for me it was like I want to get the job done and get it done well if that means me doing a couple of hours of the weekend or me going in early so I can get a head start before my day but then you're not realizing you're still at the office at eight and then also tech yeah. to a certain extent especially back then it's getting better now but it didn't help because you had you had almost these incentives where it was like, if you stay past seven o'clock, deliver yeah. yourself something for dinner and expensive. Or if there's a bunch of us, yeah, if there's a bunch of us, whichever manager was in the building, they got a company card. They go, we're, we're doing two orders. We're getting, you know, we're getting meat liquor and then another bunch of us are getting pizza. Which one do you want? What do you want me to yeah. order? And then it became and the camaraderie. But yeah. Precisely. Yeah. And, and the difference. And I said, crew who stays late. Yeah. But this is the thing for me, I think, and that was the difference where I say, I'm not saying that these things are bad because this is what happens, but what was happening for me and what, was, what wasn't what was happening for others is they weren't coming in early yes. <laughs> as well. So I was practically yes, opening up there. the building. Yes. <laughs> so it's very much as much as we're all there as a gang, but we're all there as a gang because yeah. one of them had a doctor's appointment in the morning, so they came in at 10. So then them yeah, being at 7, you know, like a little day. later. Or- it's totally, literally yeah. that sort of flexibility, but you're not realizing that. And I remember it got to yeah. a point where um, I actually had a manager that I wasn't getting along with, uh, was definitely not meant to be my manager, was not a quote unquote people person. Yeah, um, yeah. It was quite a toxic relationship. But again, I loved yeah, everything else. But the toxicity yeah. put me into overdrive in terms of proving myself because I kept yeah. on getting this, this unwarranted feedback. Why don't you be more like yeah. um, this uh. person on the team? And the person that I'd always get compared to was the fresh graduate who was white. Yes. 
and it is kind of just like what's going on because I'm killing it on the stats um everybody thinks highly of me I can see the impact that I'm work the work that I'm doing so why do you want me to be anything different and again I was still relatively young in the sense that I thought let me let me go along with this let me take the feedback on board I've never had a problem taking taking feedback and I think that's what made this situation worse for me but either way a combination of that and me working all hours under the sun I remember it was was it a Tuesday or Wednesday morning I was popping into the office to grab my laptop and then going off to an exhibition uh, where we were all there representing the company I literally got out of Oldgate station had a panic attack Oh my goodness. Walked into yeah. the building, like quite shaken. Anybody who's had a panic attack, you're drained. It's a physical and emotional yeah, thing. Absolutely. You just yeah. it's just an ordeal overall. And for me, the main symptom is I just feel like I can't breathe. So then I stop breathing yeah. properly and then it just becomes an issue. Went yeah. into the office because my head of people had actually just recently done mental health first aid. So I thought, if I find her, I can explain what's happened. Yeah. Just so that yeah. nobody's messaging me and saying, are you coming to the exhibition? Are you going to Yeah, they're putting additional pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Came in, told her the fullness of it. I said, look, I had a panic attack. I just need to go home. I just need to blah, blah, She was just like, leave the laptop yeah. here. And I was just like, I can't. There's just some things that I need to wrap up. Like you know, attached to it. You're lost yeah. in the source. You're in the matrix. Yeah. So that's the natural response. So she negotiated wow. with me and was just like, okay, if you're going to do that, I need to see you offline. I need to see you offline by lunchtime. Good if I see it. you online by lunchtime, yes. I will disconnect your accounts. And I was just like, good. Okay, yeah, yes. I'll be offline. <laughs> I love her. Literally, she was I need absolutely that in my life amazing. She was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I knew she got it. So I didn't oh. need to rehash what a panic attack was, whatever. Yeah. So yeah. literally came, so took some time off had a check-in call with her the following day just to see how things were going also just from her point of view just to let me know because again because I had explained it and she'd seen me so she knows that I am the type of person who'll be like I took a day off and I'm back in so we had the check-in she was just like please take all the time that you need uh ended up taking what two days off came back in people were like oh I had because naturally she was just like what do you want me to tell people yes and I was just like tell them I'm unwell that's yeah. it just say I was unwell came back in they were just like oh I heard you were unwell so sorry I hope you're feeling better I was like yeah I had a panic attack um yeah. I have anxiety <laughs> and well, some people, people were just like to that? yeah 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 so some people just like have those all the time which yeah. scared me because I was just like I don't yeah. particularly want to yeah. ever have these all of the Again. time how do you totally. function with these happening all the time and yeah. then I had some other people who were just like, oh my gosh, thanks for being transparent. I'm actually on medication oh, for my depression. Like I've had it for years. Yeah. I have a therapist and blah, blah, blah. And I went back others. to the head yeah, of people and I yeah. literally was just like, we need to carve out space for these conversations. Because first of yes. all, if we've got people who are actually somebody who I consider to be absolutely smashing it, yeah, sacrificing their well-being in this way, we've got a problem. Um, and we came back in they were already in conversation with a company called sanctus to bring life coaches in and yeah. to have conversations around mental well-being i then stepped into a role because where these people were just like oh my gosh i feel comfortable talking to you can we just have a chat from time to time yeah. so i was just like there are people who want to have a space to talk about it can i have yeah. listening sessions i've got coffee and chats where people can book in I we can pop that. across the road yeah. and just have a chat and i'll just listen and got it agreed so that i could spend up to two hours each week having those um became one of two mental health ambassadors they brought in sanctus and brought in coaching for everybody that went amazingly they then had to up 
the amount of coaching you know yeah. in the agreement because you start off tense you never know who's going to book in but it just kept selling out like testing it um, or, yeah you know so testing it out created such a healthy culture you didn't have yeah. to sneak off in your lunch break it was part of your day-to-day work you've literally it's in a building around the corner so you pop up and go I'm off for my coaching session just really so, normalized it and I had coaching yeah. and I'm type a so I sat there and I was like what do you think I should do and they were just like that's not what this is about and I was like what do you mean <laughs> Would you would like would, where were the answers? I came here for some solutions, and exactly. I <laughs> and I was like, just like, like, tell me, yeah. tell me what I'm doing. You're like, well, but they were just like, you no, know, this is yeah. on a this is on the belief that you know what you want and how yeah. to get there. And I was like, what? And then I leaned into that process. I was like, this is magical. Yeah. And I came back and I was just like, right, I'm already having these coffee chats with people about mental health, but I want to learn how to do this properly um will you pay for me to do this course and then just take it from my salary because I found the course but I couldn't afford to pay for it outright and I literally was just like I will do this course and I will give back I I will give coaching like free of charge I will coach my colleagues but I want to know how to do this properly carve out a safe space and it was just amazing so did that that course started in September finished in December got made redundant from the company alongside there was about 40 of us um, that got made wow. redundant all at once uh, just before Christmas yes. and I just yeah. finished the course so it was a it was it was just such a bizarre time Timing. I think redundancy yeah. is very weird I have never been married but it feels like a divorce in the sense yeah. that if you were anything like me I was going to stay there for like as long as just forever yeah. because remember this was and new to me this was a new environment I was yeah. like I can be myself I'd done quite yeah. well they promoted me without even me asking they were like Amazing. you're absolutely killing it we'd like to raise your salary I was like okay cool. um Absolutely. you know the environment worked for me all of that stuff yeah. so for me if yeah. that wasn't the case I'd probably still be there today yeah. and so it, into it jazz like, marriage, yeah, like and it's very much you don't go into it thinking it's going to end this way so it's that and then you've built up these relationships this ecosystem of of friends from work and then you're you've got this idea of we no longer work together yeah Yeah. but we've got mutual friends and then we also had people who you know they that wasn't the whole company yeah it was a pick and choose they never explained kind of what the rubric was but there were yeah. people that were still there and there's people that are still there to this day. So then you have to yeah. reconcile with that because it's like, wow, yes. you're moving, you're actually moving on without me. Yeah. How dare you? You know. And <laughs> I'm kidding. And yeah, it, yeah, you yeah. know, and you have to sit yeah. with that for a while. And that's why yeah. even as much as it sounds really bad that it happened before Christmas, but it was actually good that it happened before Christmas because to a certain extent yeah. the jobs market closes down. So we yeah. had time, like I definitely had time to just process it and think really deeply about what I wanted to do next and rebuild that confidence and detach myself from what had happened it doesn't define me that I was made redundant and you know muster up the courage to put that on your LinkedIn so that people don't wonder oh you only stayed there for like just over a year what happened there no I got made redundant and it was it was you know within the tech circles there was a piece on it because you cannot shout about raising millions and then let go of 40 of your staff and somebody not story so then yeah, kind of watching that happen <laughs> yeah. yeah you know and it was just very much that and but then you know I'd taken the time to process it and I was just like right I'm going back out there what do I want to do now 
because I had been able to experience so many things, lead so many projects, and my CV was solid. Um, But more than anything, I was looking at January and I was like, well, I just got paid for Christmas. I'm going to get paid at the end of this month. There's actually no excuse for me not to start the business. I'd literally just got the certificate through because I'd put in the last assignment in December and everything just aligned where it was to the point where you have to have a conversation with yourself and go, you don't do it now, then you must not be serious about this. You must not want it because everything is in line. Don't they say there are it, coincidences in your life? That. The fact that yeah. that happened and your certificate came through and you felt in a position you could financially and it's a new year, a new beginning, it's like, you know, yeah, it's take absolutely it, take it the time plan. Had to. So launched the business, literally turned around to the people who I was coaching while qualifying and said, would you like to pay me so we can continue to work together? Worked with some people, one-to-one life coaching at that time. That's what I was doing did some group workshops really in partnerships with different co-working spaces really just said yes to everything and it was absolutely amazing and then continued to do a lot of that and then I'd say it was around last year so winter of 2019 I I wanted to switch things up because I I I I wanted to do more but I knew that it wasn't sustainable for me to do everything if you're running your business around your full-time job you cannot say yes to absolutely everything and I knew that you can burn out doing things you love. So that's always something that yeah. I built into my business. I became a life coach because I burnt out myself, discovered life coaching yeah. and was like, wow, I want to create this space for others. So it's always something that I was yeah. really focused on. And I was like, people keep coming to me for life coaching for their career or for their business. Yeah. I I was the teenager in the family that did all of like my aunts and uncles CVs. And my friends yeah, seat, like, I got people yeah, jobs. Yeah. It wasn't even like doing it for fun. It was like, we sat down this week, two weeks later, you got the job, even throughout That's uni. Amazing. So yeah. it was like, I need to, I need to return to what I'm great at. Because again, yes. when you're doing life coaching, it's not instructional. I can't yeah. tell you what I think you should do because it's not about me. Whereas yeah. in the sphere of careers and, you know, career success coaching, it, it's, it gives me the permission to mentor i.e advise but also to coach to ask the deep questions to ask the challenging questions to set the exercises and really empower people and so that's when I made the pivot in December of 2019 um, to go into career work and then kind of did all the branding and all of that stuff in the summer so then that's now what I do so I do a blend of all of them but it's a focus on growing careers because it's such a huge part of our life you're not happy in your career you will come home and destroy your loving relationship i promise you that like you eight percent of your life working if you're not happy you are going to destroy everything else that's good in your life because you're not happy. you are without even realizing it and when you pivot that like i said when i'm not happy that's when the anxiety goes up that's when the panic attacks come in it starts to affect your health but more than anything our identity is so wrapped up in what we do for a living our money mindset is so wrapped up in the experiences that we've had and our ideas of worth and value when you layer that in with being a person of color being a woman being a part of any underrepresented group the impact is just tenfold and we can either have these careers as things that grow us and allow us to thrive and are really curated for our own personal missions or they can become a burden. They can be the thing yeah. that you you just have to do to get 
by and it's about survival and it's about tolerating toxic environments and tolerating the microaggressions and tolerating the underestimation the amount of people that I work with where I say what salary are we on right now and where are we trying to go and they tell me the salary that they're on and I'm just like I'm so happy we're working together we're going to get you what you deserve because that is not it yes yeah I remember saying that to you like um those of you who don't know, so Jazz is coaching me at the moment. And I remember at the beginning when you started um, this kind of new coaching system, I said to Jazz, I had no idea the cost of a coach at all. And she could have charged me anything. I just said, Jazz, please charge me what you're worth because I know you're worth it. Mm. So just charge me. Don't give me any base rates. I don't want any family discounts. Just get, not that I'm family, but <laughs> friend of. <laughs> but I was like, please charge me what you're worth because I just think it's so important. And I don't think it's okay for people to do a job for so many years for a lot less. And I think people have for years, for centuries, and it's not okay. Because we talked earlier on about, you know, your two male bosses and the fact that that male boss did say it was your idea, which is great. And maybe that's Mm. few and far between, um, not just with a black woman in tech, but, you know, women of all colours in different industries. But you also then talk about the microaggressions. And I wonder, like, how have you responded to them like have you had to tolerate them in the past and now it's different and you feel you can say something or you know yeah how do you speak up in those situations I I definitely think I did you know like most of us in my early career my fair share of sucking eggs one of the ones that I always got is you speak really well yeah Mm -hmm. what do you expect me to speak like so that don't don't get me wrong as we speak, I'm recording in my gold door knocker earrings that I got from Brooklyn, New York when I travelled there. And I, our connection, like I said, is South London. So I want to see the earrings. Like, <laughs> I wish I could you know, you. don't get me it. wrong. Like I'm, I'm a real individual out here in these streets. But you know, when people say you speak really well, and it's just like, how do you expect me to speak? Do you want me Tell to sound me like I a rap speak. song? Yeah. I'm not a yeah, grime yeah. artist, and you know, yeah. we're in one of the offices of the big four. I'm in my TMU yeah. shirt, and yeah. and this is what you want to have a conversation about. And I think it's yeah. a lot of stuff like that, or being in environments where you don't feel like you can be yourself, so you code switch. And all of that was present in the beginning of my career. As much as I started out in hospitality, I did have a phase. During uni, the big four were doing, they were doing all the things. So I was like, I'm going to be a management consultant. But you knew what came with that is a sort of dulling and editing of yourself. And I think that's one thing that I found when I came to tech. It's not perfect. I am the minority. But I was allowed to have my green afro. I had a phase of green before we had red. Love that. And I'd come to work however I want. And when it was my turn yeah. to play music on the Sonos, I'd play what I want. And I was yeah. able to be myself. And it showed me, and, and more than anything, you've had the spirally career that, that I've had. Yeah. I can't afford to be anyone else but myself. Because at this yeah. point, that's why people choose to work with me. Yes. But and also, that's, that's why people is. choose not to work yeah. with me. I've been in interviews, right? I've been in interviews with, uh, you know, older, grey-haired white man on the left and a young millennial person who's just excited to work with me. And she's asking, how did you learn that? And what's your top tips for this? And what's your perspective on the changing face of customer success and strategy and blah, yeah. blah. And she's just pumped and we're vibing. And he's like, so yeah. tell me, tell me what happened at this role. And like, tell me why I should take a chance on you. Very... Uh, looking down yeah. his nose at me quite literally 
to a yeah. point where I'm sitting in this chair feeling feeling quite conflicted because again like with many situations I know there's somebody in interview right now that is only having the people looking yeah. down at them but it was just such a paradox yeah. and I walked out of the interview saying this is a waste yeah. of my time I'm gonna be so much myself that you know that if I rub you up the wrong way you're not even gonna call me for an interview because I don't have time to be hopping on a train to Shoreditch to come yes. and see you at 10 o'clock in the morning for you to treat me like that because right, for yeah. you doing that I could have been elsewhere yeah with them vibing yeah. with me and you know and I'm not saying vibing is more of a casual term but I mean genuinely yeah. giving me a chance genuinely being interested to see if I'm a good fit for the role not yeah. trying to and it sounds like she put me on the stand yeah you know and that was yeah. what was so and disappointing she she, yeah. she would have hired me yeah she would have invited me for lunch the... yeah <laughs> she would have been like yeah. because yeah. what happens with the job I just love to just connect and let's stay exactly. in touch can we just connect to um, our friends <laughs> it's just so cool yeah. <laughs> I don't like I don't play those games anymore I know I belong here I know that I deserve to be paid equally I know that I deserve the same amount of opportunities and I know that there's people that won't like me and I know there's people that will but the bottom line is I have to set my standards for how people are allowed to treat me I left a job because I found that I was being paid differently from my male colleague who did the same role so wrong yeah but it happens all the time i'm not yeah. i'm no longer playing yeah. those games and that was after yes. months of mustering up the courage yeah. months of attempting to increase my salary on my own merits and it yeah. didn't work and i had to be honest with myself yeah. and say i am i am amazing at what i do and you don't value me love what i do yeah. love who i work with love the clients but i have to value myself yeah. so i have yeah. to move on right and i the minute i did that again it proved to myself that if I choose myself then I'm always going to be making the right choice and it's not and it's not a fear-based way to live like (laughs) my journey with mental health yeah anxiety and depression I have no fear I have I have a very strong relationship with fear we talk on a regular basis I don't there's certain places that fear has no has no space for me to be in because it doesn't it doesn't lead down a positive road for me so um that's that you know that's the hard one hard one truth of it that's so true and if you put that fear aside and you shine through in all those ways that you just talked about it's very hard for someone oh why should you be here give me 10 reasons or i've had oh you know i'd hire you but you know it's not up to me but i don't think you'd you know be able to see the wood for the trees because your cv is so varied for such a young woman it's like oh please and it's the language that's the thing it's the language i do not have so far like ask me you know I noticed from your CV that they've been shorter term periods, right? There's a way of asking the question that is neutral, that gives me a chance to just simply explain because I don't leave jobs for fun. It's not a fun thing to sit in somebody's face and say, right, in your exit interview, the reason that I'm leaving is this. It came to my knowledge this. And then when I raised it, this is what happened. So I have to walk away. It's not fun. (laughs) Like, so I don't have a problem of telling people the reasons why I've moved on from any any role and why I'm looking for any opportunity, just like anybody else would. But if it comes with a tone, oh, you don't seem to have stayed anywhere long. Tell me some more about that. You don't seem to. You've made some assumptions there that I now need to fight against. Yes, and I'm not saying the whole recruitment process is about judgment. We're making judgments all the time. Yes, but here you've you've made some assumptions that are the it means you're not you're not listening to anything that i say yes because you've made your own 
have you read my CV? Yeah. To find out and more it's about literally that, that because it's just yeah. like, I'm here for a reason and now I'm a little bit confused because yeah. this is now become an aggressive thing rather than a two-way conversation yeah. and again it's educating people that's why I have no shame in explaining to people my roles or why my CV looks like it looks because it illustrates to them that if you underpay me I will leave yeah if you promise me training and you don't give me the training I will leave yeah like it lets you know that so if you're ready for that i.e if you're ready to be an organization that actually does what they say they're gonna do then i'm happy as larry yeah my loyalty is unquestionable with any role that i take i will not work for you if i don't want to work for you i will not work for you if i don't see myself working there long term yeah but if you if you mistreat me yeah i can't i can't like i can't a lot of the times when some of these things happens i just think if that was your own child that was being treated this way yes. or if that happened to you you wouldn't yes. the same thing that you're saying to me you wouldn't say to them yeah. so why is it okay yeah yeah why is it why is it okay to say it to me and you, you just have to respect that I have agency with what I'm doing it's a decision I'm not yeah. forced to work here we sign contracts for a reason there are clauses in contracts for a yeah. reason because that is very true we have to remember that we have that forget. Yeah, that's and, so and you forget, and it's just like, yeah. and I'm not saying you know the minute you find out something because there was several months be- be- between me finding this information, trying to then help them to rectify it, seeing that they weren't yeah. going to, and then yeah. having to make that decision. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm. It's not. It's not disloyalty. I'm not no. this ephemeral butterfly thing that like it, it's you know. <laughs> there are reasons and I think it's important for people to know that there are reasons because I think and and this comes back to privilege there's still a subset of society that thinks that you should be grateful for having a job any job regardless of how they treat you and you should stick every job out for at least four years yeah because there are people that have never experienced discrimination they've never experienced um, microaggressions they've never experienced um, toxic relationships in the workplace yeah. right so for them they look at you and they think what's wrong with you when really it's an imperfect system it's always going to be imperfect because it, it's it's humans coming to work with their baggage and then yeah. based on their position so of true. power or privilege yeah they're yeah. they're they're subjecting everyone else to that everything that you say at work impacts someone else you know, I do a lot of work yeah. around bias and allyship and a lot yeah. of people are just like how do I be a good ally? How do I be anti-racist? Yeah. That's and my next question to you, actually, about allies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been thoughtful. It's realising that every decision that you make either moves towards a more equitable society or it doesn't. It yeah. either fosters inclusion or it doesn't. Who you decide to have lunch with, who you decide to speak to and not speak to, how yeah. you speak to them, your attitude, the stereotypes that you carry with you, that then start to impact how you ask certain questions. Yeah. Whose name are you pronouncing correctly and whose are you not bothering to? Have you given yeah. people in your workplace nicknames because you can't be bothered to take the time to say, can you just let me know how I should pronounce your name? And I right? always and ask that question, like, you know that. Even though I thought I had been saying your surname right, I'm like, right, before I'm on the pod, please, am I getting this right? Because I don't want to be saying it wrong. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, but that it's And then yeah. they build up to create a culture with every individual being thoughtful in this regard. It doesn't always need to be a formal diversity programme or an yeah. employee resource group. It's, it's, it yeah. is a, 
has to become part of the culture and how we communicate we interact we build relationships with ourselves we behave and and we sort of make other people feel we have so much power to change someone else's experience of the workplace that we don't even realize my colleagues kept me going right they made they reminded me i was welcome they reminded me of my value and what i bring to the table they reaffirmed me in moments where i needed it and they brought that community and all of the culture and the values they brought that to me and that's so important isn't it you know like i know there's like the buzz term allies at the moment but whether they're allies or not or just thoughtful people who think you're incredible because you are and want you to know that every single day that you're working with them because you make their space better working with them so why wouldn't they want to do that for you it's like just to me it's common it's reciprocal that's community like forget saying oh we're a family and all of those tropes that people use like build genuine community and genuinely build a a a culture of being careful but being yourself in that you know the organization can provide the structure let us know what the company values are let us know how we discuss things give us avenues to have open dialogue you know all of those things yes have have your hr paperwork in place don't get me wrong because sometimes you can't trust humans to (laughs) self-regulate um but within that within that container within that structure allow people to be themselves and remind them that they're human and give them space to be so if i think on your point about not trusting humans to self-regulate because Mm. people kind of try to hide microaggressions in jokes and there's times where i've turned my chair around and and come out of the conversation in the past because i do not like what they're talking about regardless whether it's sex race religion whatever i don't like it fine i'm not entertaining this conversation anymore but that's Mm. stopped a lot of that has stopped um and I, I just think there's a lot of fear around that. But yeah, there are times when I felt most uncomfortable in conversations with the banter I've put in inverted commas here. Um, and I've, I've spoken to black female friends of mine who've said that, that colleagues of hers who she thought she got on fine with and they respected her would make a joke about something, whether it be her hair yeah. or her dress sense or her figure. Mm. And in a jokey way, she almost wasn't sure whether it was like, how to take it. And then she walked away yeah. thinking, that's not okay. And now I feel this way about you because you don't get mm-hmm. it and you think it's okay to like make a joke like that. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. How do you it's think huge. It changes your perspective. Yeah. I think especially this year at the height of Black Lives Matter, there was a lot of that going on. But even beyond the workplace where there was yeah. so much information there now. So not just not just the emotional impact, not just, but facts, hard facts. Right educating yeah. people on the different types of biases and as people yeah. digested this content reading books you know why i'm no longer talking to white people about race natives by carla yeah. you know it, the list goes on Incredible people work. were starting to then go home and go actually what my uncle says is not okay and not the okay. young people in my family are absorbing this and thinking that this is funny and it's not and i need to speak it's up not. and let him know it's not funny yes that's why we don't say this and it goes beyond oh being a stickler for being pc it's like no let me actually now the conversation shifts now because we're now empowered and enabled with the facts to say let me explain to you why it's not funny did you know that this particular group of people experienced this this and that did you know that we live in a white supremacist society did you know that things are structurally different did you know that based on the color of your skin how they change the housing system yeah to put 
all of the people of color in certain areas and then the minute enough black people move into the area then things start to shift and they started to build that into their decision making for lending and And giving people mortgages they have different districts for different religions and things it's like you don't realize until you kind of educate yourself like you don't yeah and places in south london i'm talking about our home home ground now you know that that were accessible to live in and families have lived there for years and then you get a few rich developers in there who spend so much money turn these places into like you know the new kind of posh hangout Mm. and then it kind of pushes out those families who've been there for years um because they've bought out their property that's all systemic racism and it's happening today and that really makes me uncomfortable Mm. about places that i went to as a kid and that was part Mm. of my growing up and my you know the part that I love about the UK just the melting pot of everyone being so unique and different from my school from everything that's just what I know Um, and when I hear these things now I just it makes me so angry yeah (laughs) so angry yeah so thanks Jazz that's really and there are tons of books you mentioned a few and I've got like a pile still to read um but I think like don't feel I think people shouldn't feel they have to read all of the books before having a conversation or saying that something's no something don't be afraid to try i think that's the biggest thing we we're giving each other the grace to make try and make the mistake rather than not trying you know i think that's that's how you learn and as long as you're doing it with the best of intentions then that will truly come that will come to light if you you know and that's what goes back to being the careful carelessly making a mistake is very different to carefully making a mistake because when you're carefully making a mistake you'll circle back on that and you'll go when I said that I realized that that was wrong and I don't want you to feel x y and z so I want to apologize whereas if you're carelessly making a mistake you might have the conversation with yourself and go oh yeah that wasn't very good all right we'll brush that under the carpet how do I improve that though yeah rather than brushing it how do I improve that next time how do I how do I apologize if an apology is required or how do I educate myself so that next time it's not it's different and I think that's the problem that I have with the term BAME or BME or however they want to do it because it stops people getting comfortable just saying what you mean because my culture is different from an Asian's culture so bucketing us is the same as calling us all coloured, you know, and there there are contexts yes. where you can use the term people of colour, but BAME re- it is very reductive, whereas person of yeah. colour or people of colour can feel more inclusive, and again, it's the context. Yeah. So that's another thing that I say to people, if you, want it, if you mean black, say black. Say if, if you're yes. not sure, yeah. <laughs> then that's, that, like, that's fine, person of colour is okay, but you know, yeah. BAME members of staff in the team, the BAME, it's like, oh, we're now this homogenous group. Well. It feels lazy. It's very lazy. Kind of it's incredibly lazy. Yeah, and, and it's I'm, very I'm, much, you I'm, know, I'm, and I'm I think people... careful either. No, exactly, it's that. So I think, yeah, there's there's steps to it, but take take the steps. Yeah. Take the steps. Don't be too scared yeah. to take the steps because you'll you'll soon find yourself yeah. on the wrong side of history, as a lot of people say, without even realizing yeah. it. That would be the shame. If you want it to be wrong and strong, yeah, then be wrong and strong. Yeah. But if you sleepwalk into ignorance, if you sleepwalk into being racist, if you sleepwalk into being homophobic, if you sleepwalk into all of these things, then that's that's where you know like to have a conversation with you because I don't want you to do that yeah, I want you to be intentional about how you live and how you 
communicate and interact with people yeah I mean I've definitely started well a long time ago having conversations with people both at work friends family even uncomfortable conversations but sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll I'll get through it and I'll feel good about some of them others I feel like oh I'm stuck I don't have the answers and I'm like oh I need to like you know then I feel like I want to continue that kind of journey I'm on to have those conversations and speak up when things aren't okay but I do sometimes hit that wall where I'm like, oh, I fell out of my depth. I don't know the answer to the questions they're posing. It just depends when what yeah. they're throwing at me. But know? that's it's fine. Kind of... It's not necessarily yeah. about having the answers to the questions all the time. Yeah. No, like, I think that's fine. We shouldn't, to be humans, we shouldn't have to run off and take a PhD in diversity. Yeah. You know, we're learning it incrementally. We're learning it as we go. It's, it's almost just in time learning. Because when you have that conversation that, ch- that challenges you, encourage the person to look it up for themselves and then that that's the one thing that you're going to look up as well following that conversation and then it's incremental and it's meaningful as opposed to let me digest every single book under the sun in, in in one go so that I could educate others if that makes sense um if that is your life's work if that is your calling to work in diversity and inclusion then of course feel free inhale all the books write the thesis write the blog post write the whatever it is but I am saying sometimes it's a lot of pressure to put on ourselves to be the spokesperson for um for everyone regardless of whether you belong to that group or not it's a lot of pressure yes um and it should feel pressured it should feel very human no I really appreciate that Jazz thank you I think I said to you I you know I wanted you on this podcast for so long but I didn't want you to come on here on the premise for you to educate white people on how, or not just white people, but, you know, people, how they should act. And when I said that to you, and I just said it out loud. I was like, oh, that, why didn't I just say that? <laughs> but I didn't want you to feel that I was kind of like putting you on a pedestal and you're expected to educate because that isn't your job either, you know, and that's what I felt so mindful of. But yeah, you're such an intelligent yeah. woman and you're so successful in what you do and you're so eloquent with how you explain things. I was like, who else better to have this conversation with who, you know, will set me right if I said something wrong, but also would tell me it's okay not to have to read everything before you have the conversations because that's what started me having those conversations. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Yeah. So let's go back then after that um, deep conversation to the side hustle. So I wanted to ask you what advice you would give to people starting up their own side hustle and you know the reality of the work involved start where you are i say that's the biggest thing when i work with a lot of clients it's just like what do i need oh i feel like i need this or i need to be good at instagram i need to understand tech um i need to get a customer i need to like we think everything hits you at once the minute that you have the decision within yourself that you're going to do this thing then the thing evolves into this massive beast And I think pairing it back and being like, start with where you are. What do you want to do? What does that look like? What's the first step that you can take? And just giving it a go and recognizing that there there isn't a blueprint. And I say that as somebody who actually runs a whole course on side hustles. And I work with people one-to-one on it. There is no one size fits all. Like when I do the course, the approach is, here are some resources and tools. Here are some things to think about. You will definitely yeah. think about them in different orders. Like some of some bits will be easier for you to start on than others. That is the reality of it. But start where you are. Don't get, don't yeah. like create a list before the list, before the list. Like I, I say That's it to people, me. I say, stop <laughs> getting ready to get ready, yes. to get ready, to get ready. Because I'm then all you'll be doing job. is readying yourself. And then it will be <laughs> <laughs> Like... <laughs> 
like, I'm wedding myself. Yeah, nobody wants to be that guy every Christmas. Like, I'm launching a business. It's like, oh, we said that last year. How long is this launching? Are you still launching? And especially if you're doing the cloak and dagger, I'm just launching a business. You know, and it's just like, what is that? What? What is the? Okay. You know, it's awkward. It's awkward. Let's be honest. A friend of mine once said, like, um, she only said it about a month ago to me, like, I'm the sort of person that if I wanted to have a conversation about something, like, I don't know, let's say quantum physics. So I'd go off, I'd do, like, all my research, I'd do a course on it, I'd do a PhD on it, and then I'd come back and go, right, now I'm ready to have that conversation. I'm like, oh, my God, people actually noticed that about me. That's really embarrassing. I thought I was doing the groundwork, like, behind the scenes <laughs> and then just getting on. So I, I know that's something with me. I need to sometimes keep the detail at the door, get on. Detail's important in some places, but I think I need to sometimes just get on, stop procrastinating. So it's like just finding a balance between <laughs> the detail and the top line and just getting stuff done. And I think you're great at coaching with that. Yeah. Guide me in the right direction. Um, and you'll be guiding lots of others on your... God, I will look that. <laughs> I run it in November and May of every year. So um, okay. depending on when you're listening, when you go to the website, yeah. there'll be a wait list or the doors will be open. <laughs> oh, excellent. So people can still sign up for the doors. Okay, okay great. For the next doors to open for the next school. I love that. So how many people do you coach? Yeah. So because it's, for me, it's so important. So on it, it's a small group. So for yeah. this intake, I've limited it to 12. And then when I do it again in May, I'm going to be creating two versions. So there's still going to be a cap of about 12 on the uh, live elements get access to me 24 5 but I'm also going to create a sort of self-paced version for it as well because for some people how do I put it work with me when you're ready to take action because if you're not then just just don't do you know what I mean <laughs> and it's yeah. okay not to be ready to take action but the, yeah. the, the huge and most powerful part of the program is having those weekly group coaching sessions having the accountability, having yeah. the forward-looking um, perspective. You know, everybody has set their own personal objectives for where they want to be at the end of the six weeks. And my role as a coach is to hold them accountable to that, to challenge them in yeah. that, to empower them in that. So for me, it's really important that everybody who signs up for it is ready to move um, yeah. and almost is, is sick and tired of inaction. They're sick and tired of their own procrastination. Yes. They're sick and tired of feeling stuck in the mud and they just want clarity so that they can put one foot in front of the other. So totally. when it does happen again in May, it will take on a new shape where I will still have the small group of people that want that. I guess almost yeah. intensive experience. That is what it is. Let's call yeah. it what it is. But also there's yeah. people who want to go a little bit slower uh, want to take their time with it and and kind of go for it at their own pace and everybody who joins the course they a get to rejoin it every time it's run but they also get access to the materials like lifetime That's access amazing. to materials so i know That's there are some people about. who are just like look work gets <laughs> super busy precisely yeah. go over the modules in christmas go over it again in march yes. and then when we update it in may go over it again it becomes yeah. an ongoing resource i'm about I'm about enabling people yeah. and giving the tools. So for me, this this program is core to how I like to approach everything. You you get out of it what you put in. You start where you are. You're you know you've got the tools and you can just take your own time and set your own pace with it. And the thing I I think you're right about being ready because I think I was so ready when I spoke to you eventually. But I know we'd uh, kind of sent a few emails mm. pre me taking up coaching. 
and I just wasn't ready yet. I was really intrigued and really mm. wanted to work with you, but I just didn't feel ready. And then something switched, like a flick switched in my mind. And I was like, right, come on, mm. let's do this. And you were the perfect person to start that journey with. And I think, you know, having this forever content that you talk about with the side hustle school also, when work does get busy, like you say, in the day job, you know, you don't have to feel bad for not then mm. producing on the side hustle so much that week or two weeks because you can go back and go over it and then you get that renewed kind of like motivation yeah. to just push on with those bits. So that's that will really work for me as well, I think. So 100%. It's the ebbs and flows. And I think that's one thing most of us who are side hustlers are quite ambitious in our day job. So we take that energy into the business and we feel that anything less than 120% is us slacking where we really have to give ourselves grace and we really have to give ourselves space to kind of slow certain things down it's almost like it's like when you're driving you know yeah you put your foot on the gas and then if you need to turn a corner slow it down slow down down. if you need to change put that clutch into action this is obviously a manual vehicle that i'm describing but do you know what i mean you can't go at full pelt you know what i mean driving in a residential street in fifth gear it's not gonna work you will crash and burn and everything yeah. around you will probably crash and burn. And that's not what that's it's so about. True. It's about building sustainable no. side hustles for me. Yeah. I'm, it's not hustle culture. It is yeah. very much well-being is a huge part of it. Community support, authenticity. Yeah. That is what it's about. Because like so I said, nice. I know what it's like to burn out doing things you love. And it's easy yeah. to do that with a side hustle. We don't want that. No. And you knowing that is so valuable to mm. share that with people you're working with. And you're right what you say there. If you're giving 110, mm. 120% of your day job, and you're the sort of person who then wants to give 110, 120 in your side hustle, you're then giving like 240 that you might not, well, you don't have. I mean, we've only got a tank so yeah. full. Um, and if you're not looking after that tank and it's already half full, where did it go? Like, yeah. wow. Yeah. You know, yeah. No, I completely get that. And that's something I definitely am learning along the way. Slowly, slowly, but I'm learning. The fact that my voice is a bit husky is just um, hours of me talking, number one, of course but just probably overworking at the moment. And Jazz said to me last week, are you sleeping okay? So she's like checking in with me on like the human side and going like, are yeah. you sleeping? Like, are you like, just slow down. Like you've got a ton of other stuff going on. Don't be hard on yourself. So Jazz, I want to let people know where they can find you on socials, etc. Yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn at Jazz Broughton. That's my full name. Uh, and then on Instagram, I am at justjazz.co, which is also my website. So you can find me on all of those magical places. And I will add all of these details on the show notes. So do not panic. You'll be able to come back to the pod, check the show notes and find out how to get in contact with Jazz and myself. But thank you so much, Jazz, for coming to join me today to have like an amazing conversation. We've talked for like over an hour um, of really (laughs) good quality stuff, I would say. And that's just me, you know, being yeah. honest, I'm sure everyone's... No, it's been great. <laughs> it's been absolutely amazing. Such a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Tune in to listen to LBH's solo ramblings and her genuine conversations with her guests. LBH. Let's be honest.